Well, hello everybody, and welcome to episode one of my podcast. I'm a guy that loves sports in basically every shape and form, can't stop talking about them. This podcast has been a dream of mine for a little bit now, and I can only talk to my dog for so long about sports before he gets distracted and moves on to the next bone or something, so now it's time for you guys to hear all of my thoughts and let me know what you think. My idea is just to talk about current sports topics that are going on in the world, try and get some friends and family on here, you know, life's always better with company, and who knows, maybe I can get this thing big enough that I can get some qualified brains on here and actually put me in my place. So without further ado, here we go, episode one. So today I'm going to be breaking down the five best young NBA cores that I think are out there. Um, There might be a few that surprise you and there might be a few that you say, how the heck did I leave that off? Let me know what you think. So let me just get right into it. The fifth team that I think has the best NBA young core is Orlando. Um, Some of the key players they've got on there, they've got Cole Anthony, he's only 23 years old, you know, he can hit some big shots. He can be that facilitator, that playmaker for them, bring that energy for them. They've also got Franz Wagner, who is a very good player. Good off-ball movement, gigantic upside, huge versatile. I didn't know much about him coming into the league, but he has absolutely surprised me. I did not think he was going to be this good, but he really is a key player on that team. Next up on that team is two draftees they've got this year, Anthony Black and Jet Howard, both only 19. Anthony Black is a good rookie, he's a six foot five guard. The one thing that does scare me is they've got a lot of guards on that team. They've got Cole Anthony, Markel Fultz, Jalen Suggs. Um, how exactly are they really going to keep up with all of this? I do think one of those players moves, um, so Anthony Black clan slide in. Then the other one is Jet Howard, um, played at Michigan, coached by his father, Jawan Howard. I think he's going to be a really good addition to the team. Last year, Orlando was bottom five in threes made in the entire league. Jet Howard, in my mind, one of the better three-point shooters in the draft. So I think they've done a pretty good job adding him in there. And then we can't leave off Paolo Bancaro. Rookie of the year last year. Give him some time. I think he's going to be a perennial all-star. Going to be a three-level scorer. He brings a lot of things to the table for Orlando. Um, Really, really good defensive team. And yeah, I think they're the fifth best young core in the league. Next up, this is going to surprise a couple of people, but I'm going to go with San Antonio. Uh, The Spurs are number four on my list. Um, Some of the notable players they have, they've got a 20-year-old Malachi Branham. I'll be honest, never knew that name going into the draft last year. Then he's actually performed pretty well, especially towards the end of the season, really tore it up. Uh, Started to get 10 points a game, really good offensive, really good ball handler. Again, a good little key spark off the bench. Who knows, maybe he'll even get a starting role. Other good player I like on there, we've got Devin Vassell. He's only 22 years old, great two-way player. He's amazing on and off the ball, can run around, do a lot of things for your team. Shot 38% from deep, which I actually think was second last year because they did have Bogdanovich. But still, 38% from deep, played 31 minutes per game. Him and Keldon Johnson were the only two that played 30 minutes per game for San Antonio. I really think Vassell's going to be a great player. Along with him, Keldon Johnson, like I just mentioned, only 23 years old, plays 32 minutes a game, great two-way player. He led their team in scoring last year with 22 points a game. He's even competed on with Team USA, so that gives him a good aspect to a couple other things that are going on around the league and playing with some other good players. Then they've got the guy they drafted last year, Jeremy Soshan. 
only 20 years old. Um, I don't really think we've seen the full things that we can out of Jeremy Soshan yet. He has a couple of glimpses here and there. Played really, really well for Baylor. But I'm not sure we've still figured it all out or gotten everything out of Jeremy Soshan. Um, he's shown some really, really good flashing points. And, of course, with his hair down in San Antonio wearing the number 10, he just instantly reminds me of a Dennis Rodman. Nowhere near the rebounding skill, though. Then, of course, on that team, can't forget the number one pick this year, the highest-rated prospect since LeBron James, Victor Wembenyama. That guy, I think, is the real deal. Um, I think it's going to take him a few years before he really blossoms into what we think he can. There's a lot of knocks on his size. I do think he's small. However, what I think a lot of people forget is because he's small, he's also super quick. You watch him play, and yeah, he might not be able to beat up with Embiid down low, but there's a chance he takes Embiid out to the wing and blows right by him. I think Wembenyama is the real deal. And to top it all off, they've got the GOAT. They've got Greg Popovich coaching them. I don't see how they can really mess this up with Wembenyama, but you never know. Injuries can happen with people that size. But yeah, San Antonio to me, fourth best young core. Don't hate me. Then next up, number three, Houston. Uh, people are going to say, how the heck have I put Houston in front of San Antonio? Uh, I'll explain at the very end, but I'll quickly say this to me isn't who do I think has the best overall talented person on their roster. San Antonio would be number one with them and Yama. Um, but I do think that it's more the entire depth of the team, what they have going forward, which is why I have Houston at three. You're also going to be a little shocked with maybe number two, but either way. Number three and number two in my mind were very interchangeable, but here we go. Houston's got some notable players on there. They've got the 23-year-old Kevin Porter Jr., super athletic, instant bucket. Does lack a little bit of decision-making sometimes and not the greatest defense, but I do think when he puts it together, he's going to be a great player. Right next to him in the backcourt is a 21-year-old Jalen Green. He is a ultimate highlight reel, super athletic. You basically see him on SportsCenter's Top 10 every day. Got that superstar potential on their team. The young guy they drafted this year, Amen Thompson, I really like that the two brothers went back-to-back -back and also in the top five. That was a huge story. Either way, Amen Thompson, great player. Um, rookie, super athletic. Uh, I don't think he's got the greatest three-point shot. That's where I think he hurts a little bit. However, with Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green running around all the time, you're going to create some good cutting lanes for Amen Thompson. He's going to catch a couple of those alleys and those lobs. I think he's going to be a pretty good addition to this Houston team. Now, these next two players in their team, in my mind, I honestly can't tell who's the best player. I can tell you who has a better upside, but I cannot actually tell you who I think is the best player right now, but let me get into it. We've got the two 20-year-olds, Alperin Shengun and Jabari Smith Jr. Shengun, to me, is, if not top half, he's a top 10 offensive-skilled big man in the NBA today, and Houston needs to unleash it. He's got a great low-post game, good IQ, good shot IQ, in my mind, again, Really, really good offensive big man down there. And then you've got Jabari Smith Jr. We've seen what he can do. He's crazy athletic, does it all. He's won some games, hit some big shots, hit some buzzer beaters. We know what we're getting out of Jabari Smith Jr. But right there, I think that in itself, huge top five. And they could take a very huge leap this year. The thing that scares me is none of them have shown consistency on there. So it's tricky to say are they really going to put it together for a season to be a playoff team. But either way, I think they're going to make some huge leaps over the next couple of years. Next up, number two, Detroit Pistons. Um, 
Might be shocked a little bit on this one, but I have them pretty high because I actually think they have the biggest depth of young core players that I personally like. So we'll start it off. They've got a 21-year-old Killian Hayes. I don't think he's really hit his huge potential. He was drafted pretty high, um, but I do think he's got a pretty high upside. Great player. He actually led the team in assists last year with over six a game, so his playmaking ability is there, and I think he's going to be a pretty good role player on this team this year. They've also got the 22-year-old Isaiah Stewart, sometimes a bit of a hothead. You know, he got into that tussle with LeBron, but I do think that he's going to form a pretty great role on either this team or whatever team he gets to, but he's definitely going to be a good role on this team. Just because I see him in media a lot, one of the things I compare him to a lot is Kendrick Perkins. He's that big guy. I do think he's probably got better skill than Kendrick. I just see Kendrick's name all the time. That's why he popped up. But I do think he's a pretty big guy, great defensive skill, good rebounder, and can do a little bit of damage on the offensive side if you let him have some space. Other people on that team, 21-year-old Jalen Ivey. He's an instant bucket. He was third on the team last year in points per game. He could absolutely jump out of the gym. Huge ball handler. I think Ivey took some big leaps and bounds last year. Still struggles in decision-making with his shots, but hey, when you have the athleticism you have with the overall team that this team has, sometimes you can let him make a couple of mistakes to learn. 22-year-old James Wiseman's also on that team. I'm really high on James Wiseman. I thought Golden State was basically setting themselves up for Dynasty 2.0 when they drafted him along with their other players. Uh, they eventually traded him away to Detroit, um, but I personally like that a lot for James Wiseman. Get him a bit of a bigger role. He's not, I wouldn't say stuck because they're amazing players, but he's not behind Curry, Thompson, and Draymond Green. You know, he can kind of do his own thing, make a big name for himself, hit the occasional three, which is nice, stretch the floor a little bit. I think James Wiseman's going to be pretty good on this team. Next to him, 19-year-old Jalen Duran. He is also gigantic, young, huge upside out of Memphis. Crazy athletic, good defense, great rebounding, and again, only 19 years old, and I think he could be one of the better defensive big men in the league this year. They've also got a rookie this year, talked about him the last one with Houston, his brother, but 20-year-old Oscar Thompson. I actually think Oscar Thompson is a better prospect over his brother, Amen Thompson. I think he's got a bit of a better shot, just as athletic, um, but I actually rate him a little bit higher than his brother. He doesn't have as good ball handling abilities, more of a wing. His brother kind of was a bit more of the ball handler. But again, on a team where you've got Jaden Ivey, Kid Cunningham, who I haven't even gotten to yet, Killian Hayes when he's on the bench... They can be the ball makers, they can be the facilitators, they can get the eyes off the defense and create those cutting lanes for Asar. If he can develop a bit of a shot, I think Asar Thompson could actually be one of the, I shouldn't say steals, but could be one of the better people for a long time in this draft. Then finally on this team, mentioned just a while ago, Cade Cunningham, only 21 years old. I think everybody that's watched Detroit and has seen this man play can agree with me. He is a future all-star. Um, had 26-6 and six last year. Uh, he keeps it up in Detroit. You never really know what's going to happen. I really think that he can go a long way. One knock I have on Detroit, are they too young? Um, they just picked up a really, really good coach. I'm personally a huge fan of Monty. I thought Phoenix made a big mistake in cutting him. And I understand it's easier to fire one coach than to make drastic changes on teams, but I think Phoenix made a mistake, and Detroit got really lucky picking him up and able to coach this team. I think the addition of Monty is what puts them so high on my list as well. I really think he's a great coach, and I think that they've got a pretty good defensive core, or overall core, on this team. 
Finally, number one. Now I think you guys can do source of deduction to figure it out. It's OKC. They've been rebuilding for a while. I can't remember this or how many times I've seen a team with this many first-round draft picks in any sport. But they've done an amazing job, and you're now kind of starting to see it put together on the court. But let's go through their key players. So they've got 22-year-old Jalen Williams, who they drafted last year. In my eyes, he was the biggest surprise from last year's draft. He's a very versatile player. Does a lot of things on that team that a lot of people don't really recognize until they watch him. OKC's in a small market, so you don't see much of him. But I really do think that Jalen Williams, again, biggest surprise for me from last year's draft. Also on this team, 21-year-old Pokushevsky. I think he's got a really, really good upside. I think anybody with that kind of ball handling ability, athleticism with that size could be a problem in the league. Issue is he hasn't really figured it out. He's been in the league a few years now and hasn't really put together the consistent string of games to show that he can be a dominant force in this league. He's shown a few games here and there, but again, nothing consistent. Until I see that consistency, I can't say he's going to hit his upside. Next on this team, Josh Giddy. Uh, I... Really high on Josh Giddy. When he was drafted last year, I thought it was a great pick. A lot of people were, why the heck is OKC drafting this guy? I'm always high on Josh Giddy. Anybody with his height, defensive intuition, and just ball handling ability, I'm very high on as a point guard. Uh, I was worried how he was going to fit in with Shai Gilgis Alexander, but the two of them have performed amazing together. He's a freak. I think he's going to be a triple-double threat in the future. Any team that lands him, if he does get outside of OKC, is going to be very lucky he's out there. I think Josh Giddy is a superstar for the future in this league. Also on the team, 20-year-old Chet Holmgren. Chet Holmgren would have been a rookie last year, had that foot injury. That's one of the things that scares me with people his size. Also a little bit of a worry with Wem Benyama and his size is you're going to get those foot injuries. It happens all the time. You saw it with Greg Oden as well. Um, but again, Chet Holmgren, where I think a lot of people don't realize is, yes, he's got that offensive game. It's his defensive game that I really think is the one that's going to surprise a lot of people that don't know a lot about basketball and haven't watched a lot of OKC. Chet Holmgren, in my mind, was one of, if not the best defensive prospect coming in. I think he can really hold down a paint. He's going to be able to get multiple steals, multiple blocks a game. I wouldn't be surprised if he's up in the conversation for Rookie of the Year with Wen Benyama, if not only to his defense. He is an amazing player. That defense is one that a lot of people don't think about when they think of Chet Holmgren. They just think of that offense that he brings to the table. Last up on OKC, quickly mentioned him earlier, Shai Gilgis Alexander. I feel like I don't really need to make a case for this one. He was fourth in the league last year with 31 points a game. He's going to be in the conversation for, I shouldn't say in the conversation, but... If he continues on this path, he's going to be an MVP in the future, in my eyes. I think he can do a lot of things. Again, he's one of those lanky ones. my eyes, he was part of the worst trade in NBA history when LA Clippers traded him and a bunch of those first-round draft picks to OKC for Paul George. Paul George is a great player, but haven't really done much with him, and OKC is really stocked up for the future. Um, I can get into that a whole different time, but again, Shai Gilgis-Alexander, in my eyes, of all the people I've talked about, is the best player, and I think he's on that team, OKC. Very long and lanky team, I mean, when you think about it, they've got Gilgis-Alexander, they've got Giddy, they've got Chep Holmgren, Poku, seven foot tall, they're a very lanky team, and 
I mean, it's basketball. Height comes in handy. They're all smart. They're all good defensively. I think they're going to disrupt a lot of teams and maybe even make the play-in, if not be a lower seed in the playoffs this year. Plus, I haven't even gotten into their entire depth. They're, in my eyes, one of the youngest, best teams in the NBA. One of the youngest, best teams I've seen in the NBA for a long time. So there you have it. There's my top five. Number one, OKC. Number two, Detroit. Number three, Houston. Number four, San Antonio. Number five, Orlando. This was tough. There were a couple of teams that I left off. Um, Minnesota's up there. I like Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns. I'm not overly sure how they're going to do this year. They've got a, that big men trio with Gobert, Nas Reed, and Cat. Cat says just to sit there and watch and see what they're going to do. I am not convinced that in today's NBA, three big men are going to do it. But yeah, Minnesota was close to making it. Other teams that were up there, Indiana. I like Tyrese Halliburton, Benedict Mather in their draft pick this year. I think Jairus Walker is going to be huge this year as well. He's a pretty big player. Hornets are also really good. You can't go wrong. They've got LaMelo Ball, James Booknight, Brandon Miller they just drafted this year. A player that I personally really, really like, Kai Jones. Could just be that he's from Bahamas, support my Caribbean people. But I Charlotte was also up there. Other ones in there would have been Portland. Tricky to tell. I don't think they're going to make many moves, but I think they had a pretty good offseason in terms of their age. Got Scoot Henderson. They've kept Nasir Little, who's pretty young. Shit and Sharp, I think, is about to blow out of the water. Drafted Chris Murray. I don't think he's going to be as good as his brother Keegan Murray, but Keegan Murray was a starter in the playoffs last year, so if his brother produces some kind of a talent, he could be up there as well. Um, but yeah, they didn't quite make my list, mainly just because... I don't think they have enough overall depth. Some of them have them really good players. Lamella Ball on Charlotte, Anthony Edwards on Minnesota. But it's the overall depth that I was really looking into into this one, um, which is why I have certain teams rated higher up than other teams as well. Again, overall depth, not where I actually think they're going to finish this year. But there you have it. There's my top five NBA young cores going into this year. Which leads me to my next topic, and we're sticking in the NBA. I'm a huge Heat fan, and watching their playoff run last year was something else. But the thing I think that shocked me the most was how many undrafted players they had. It was unheard of. The amount of times reporters mentioned it, but seriously, it really was amazing to see how many undrafted players they were able to bring to a successful role on their team. So now I'm going to talk about a few of the undrafted players this year that I actually think can make an impact on some team. They've already been signed, whether it's to a two-way contract, a 10-day, one of those elite 10s, they're in the summer league, they're in G League, but they are competing with the team and have a chance to make a roster. So I'm going to first start off with the big tree 3-0 in my mind that a lot of people thought would get drafted in Drew Timmy, Oscar Shibwe, and Adam Sinogo. So Drew Timmy out of Gonzaga, he's now playing with the Bucks. He was a great player in college, did a lot of scoring. I think a lot of people were surprised that he wasn't drafted because of how amazing he scored. What I think is hitting him a little bit, he's a bit of an old school big in the sense of he's really a big low post move kind of guy, doesn't have much of a perimeter shot, doesn't really do, honestly, a crazy amount of offensive additions other than that low post game. But another hit to him, he's only six foot nine. Got away with it in college, playing Gonzaga. A bit of a weaker conference, but he still played well in March Madness, so I'm not knocking the conference. However, he's going up against some big boys. I mean, you got those, I brought them up earlier, you got those Joella Beads, the Jokers, the Rudy Gobert's. You know, those big guys, when you're a six foot nine power forward who plays old school ball, it's going to be tough. Oscar Shibwe was the other guy. He came out of Kentucky. He's now playing with the Pacers. 
He, I think, has one of the better relatable skills from college that goes over to the NBA in rebounding. If you're a great rebounder, you're a great rebounder. Enough said. Problem is, he's also a little guy. I shouldn't say little, but he's six foot nine, about 250, so he's got the strength, but he's a bit undersized. And normally, when you're a bit undersized, you can use your speed and athleticism to get around it. Very athletic, I can give him that, but I can't say he's got the speed to maneuver himself around that I think his height is one of the things that's hitting him a little bit again in the NBA. But, I mean, we've seen those big men out there before that grab a lot of rebounds. I mean, Charles Barkley was one of the smaller ones. Draymond Green's a bit undersized for a power forward, and he was racking up triple doubles, showing he's getting rebounds. So it's possible. And the other of these big three trios, Adama Sonogo out of UConn. UConn, I shouldn't say surprised me, but they didn't have any one of those super big prospects that went early in the draft, even after winning the March Madness bracket. But I think Adama Sonogo had a great career with UConn. Got a good mid-range game because occasionally step it out and hit the long-range one, but more of a mid-range game. Great rebounder, but like Shiboy and Timmy, he's a bit smaller, doesn't have the crazy amount of jump-out-of-the-roof athleticism that's going to help him out. Again, he's six foot nine and under, so those big three men, all six foot nine and smaller, great skill, don't get me wrong, but not having the quickness and the athleticism, is it going to translate to the NBA? Time will tell, but I'm excited to keep watching them. Some other guys that are coming out of it, Turquavion Smith, I hope I pronounced that correctly, he came out of NC State and is now playing with the Sixers. You're going to see a big trend here, Sixers have done well with some of these undrafted players. But back to Turquavion. Uh, very lanky player, reminded me a bit of uh, Bones Highland. You know, he's that quick, lanky wing, not necessarily the greatest amount of defense he's going to bring to you, but he is an offensive bucket when he can be. Kind of a bit streaky, so I'm not sure if he's really going to keep it up, but he is an offensive weapon nonetheless, and if the Sixers get something out of him, that's going to be a pretty good addition on what could be a cheap roster, considering he went undrafted. Another guy that the Sixers drafted, I am going to 100% pronounce this name wrong, but it is Tubalis. Not going to pronounce his first name. <laughs> he's a Lithuanian-born player. He went to Arizona. Again, he's now with the Sixers. If he develops a bit of a shot, watch out. He's going to be a great player in today's modern NBA. He's got the size. I believe he's 6'10 or 6'11. He was a double-double machine in Arizona. He's a lefty. and Lefties, I don't know why, but they always perform well in the NBA. Maybe it's the defenders don't know how to defend the left side of it because mainly people are right side. I don't know, but lefties somehow do okay in the NBA. So I'm excited to see Tobias because if he can develop that shot, I think he's really going to develop a good role on someone's team. Last one that the Sixers picked up, Ricky Council IV. He was out of Arkansas, his big running mate Brandon Miller out there. He actually transferred to Arkansas from Wichita State. Uh, I think he's a pretty raw prospect, but it's his age. I mean, he's 22 years old, I believe. He might be going on to 23. So NBA teams might have stared away because you're not going to take a raw prospect at 22 in the draft. You're kind of hoping they're already developed at that age, um, which kind of hurts. NBA, I shouldn't say is one of the only leagues, but some of the prospects will suffer on that because you have those 18 and 19-year-old amazing talents that come into the league that why are you going to draft a guy at 22 when I can draft another raw prospect who's three or four years younger. It just kind of makes sense. Either way, if he does blossom, he's got some good skill and he's going to make a good addition to some team. Last one I've got on this list, again, Miami Heat fan, so I'm sticking with Miami. It's Drew Peterson out of USC. 
Drew Peterson, I think, is one of the more versatile bigs. I can't say he's got amazing jump out of the jump out of the gym talent. That's probably why he wasn't drafted. But he does have a really, really good all-around game. You know, he can shoot from all three levels. He needs to get a little bit more consistent at the three-point game, but he can shoot from all three levels. He had four assists per game last year as a big man at USC. You know, he's a good floor spacer. Problem with him, also not a lot of muscle on him. So the others, big men that I've been talking about, have been a little shorter. Drew Peterson might have the height, but he does not have the strength to bang around. You might be hitting on me saying Wembenyama is not strong. I talked about Chet Holmgren earlier in this podcast. I ranked him pretty highly. He's also not strong. Difference is their skill is way above Drew Peterson's. So I do think Drew Peterson can be a useful spot. I think he's landed on a good team with Miami. They do a really good job of scouting their undrafted players and developing their undrafted players. So if he sticks around there with Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra, he's only going to get better. And I can't wait until I see him blossom into the NBA. Again, bit biased on the Heat fan, but let's go Peterson. Um, there are a whole bunch of others that I could get into, but honestly, those seven guys right there are the ones that I believe are going to make the biggest impact right away. I shouldn't say right away, but they're going to make the biggest impact first out of all the undrafted players that came out of this draft. Um, yeah, there it is. My undrafted role players going into this year. And now time for the last segment of the day. Going to be switching sports up a little bit, going to the NFL. Um, I'm still doing a top five on this one here, kind of like I did with the top five young cores in the NBA, but I'm going top five offensive cores in the NFL. And before you hit on my list, I'm just going to quickly explain. I'm ranking this based on the overall five core, who I think has the best overall five players today. Not including injury, but who do I think, if they stayed healthy for 17 games next season, which five players do I think are going to produce the overall best stats among those five players? So there might be some teams that have a superstar, the Jets with Aaron Rodgers or those kind of things. Might not make my list because they don't necessarily have five great players. But either way, let's get right into it. And starting us off at number five, I have the Jacksonville Jaguars. They've got that quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, the kid with the flow. Disappointed a bit in his rookie year, but then had a breakout year in year two. He's really showing his potential of that he can be the franchise quarterback, why he was drafted number one overall. He was top ten in yards last year, and I think with the weapons he's got here, he can just get even better. Running back, they've got Travis Etienne, also top ten in yards, a thousand plus last year. He can do a bit of receiving. He's a good three down back. I think he's a really good addition to their team. Again, he was also injured, but I think he's going to perform really well. Calvin Ridley. Can he return to form? He's one of the bigger question marks, which might knock Jacksonville out of the top five, but I kept him in there. Can he return to that Pro Bowl caliber? He had 1,300 yards in Atlanta before he got suspended for gambling. So if the Jaguars get some of that production back out of him, Trevor Lawrence is going to be a happy man. Next to him lining up is Christian Kirk. Um, he's got a very, very silly salary. Um, Let's not think about that, though. He had 1,100 yards last year, 980 yards the year before in Arizona. So he's getting better. He's showing that he can be that 1,000-yard receiver. And with Calvin Ridley now on the team to get some of that attention away from the top defenders, he could actually break out. Maybe he'll do more than 1,100 yards this year. At tight end, they've got Evan Ingram. I think Evan Ingram is one of the top five receiving tight ends in the league. I'm a huge Philadelphia Eagles fan, and... 
Trust me, I can tell you the New York Giants criminally underused this man while he was there. Gets traded to Jacksonville. First year out of New York on a new team with a decent quarterback. He's fourth in the yards for receiving in all tight ends. I think he can get a little bit better as well. So I'm high up on Jacksonville and have them at number five. Number four, I've got the 49ers. The only thing keeping the 49ers out of the top three is their quarterback play. I am not sold on Brock Purdy. Can he continue what he did to end last season? I'm not sure. He makes smart decisions, doesn't turn the ball over, which is great for the San Francisco offense because they've got a great offensive line and amazing weapons, which I'm about to get into. But, again, not sold on Brock Purdy, and you need that quarterback to continue. Rest of their team, though, amazing weapons. Christian McCaffrey, I feel like I don't even need to say anything. Arguably the best offensive player in the NFL. He could do it all. He can easily get you 1,000 yards in both rushing and receiving and get you double-digit touchdowns in both as well. He's an amazing player. Debo Samuels, their receiver, he's also one of those very versatile weapons. He's one of the better running backs as a wide receiver, if not the best running back as a wide receiver I've ever seen, which makes it very amazing that Kyle Shanahan has a weapon like him because Kyle Shanahan is also one of those genius offensive minds that will line Debo up in those areas that's going to produce some pretty scary sights for whatever defense is lined up beside them. But again, Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey, you could put them all around the place. They're really, really good. Brandon Ayuk, the other receiver out there, he's had 1,000 yards last year, a really good compliment to Debo. Of the two, I think Brandon Ayuk is the actual better receiver, but once you get the ball in Debo's hands, I don't know if there's much better other than Christian McCaffrey in the league at getting to the end zone from there. And round up there five, George Kittle. Amazing energy, also great with the ball in his hands. He's been a top two tight end in the league for multiple years, him and Kelsey. So yeah. George Kittle with the San Francisco 49ers come in at number four. Then I've got Slotten in at number three. This might surprise a couple of people, but this is why I mentioned earlier. It has nothing to do with their past injury. It's what I think they can do if they stay healthy for 17 games. And it's the Los Angeles Chargers. Everybody that I'm about to go through here has had injury risks. But let's start it off. Quarterback Justin Herbert. Pro Bowl caliber. feel like I don't really need to say much about him. He's got some of the run game. Last year, he was second in the league in passing yards. So he can really do it. He can fling that ball. Keenan Allen's their receiver. He's getting a bit older. I do think he's fallen a bit out of his prime. Some of it's due to injury. Some of it's due to age. He is at a great route runner, but he's still one of the bigger receivers out there. And I think if he stays healthy for 17 games, there's another 1,000 yards, 10 touchdowns coming your way. Lining up next to him, Mike Williams. I think, not that he hasn't broken out, but I think he's ready to break out into an actual top 10, top 5 receiver in the league. Amazing size. Um, again, just being tops in the league, I think he's a top 3 jump ball receiver in the NBA, in the NFL. Keep thinking NBA because of box outs and those kind of things, but it's in the NFL. As in, you throw the ball up there, he can be surrounded by 2 or 3 defenders. Who's going to go up and get it? I think Mike Williams is one of the best in the league. At their running back, Austin Eckler. He's got that trade request, so I know, is he going to start the season with L.A.? Nobody really knows, but he's there now, and I have them in the top three because of it. I think he's the second best do-it-all running back behind Christian McCaffrey. Last year, he had 1,500 all-purpose yards. He was tied for second in rushing touchdowns. He can really do it all for that team. 
Lastly, in this top five, or I shouldn't say top five, the Chargers core five, I'm putting Quinton Johnson. He's a rookie. I think he's one of the better, if not the best wide receiver prospect coming into this league, mainly because of the team that he fit. I think he's going to do really well with the Chargers. I've already mentioned Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Both of them are big receivers. Quentin Johnson's bit shiftier, very quick. I think he's going to be able to stretch the field and do a really good job with LA this year. So I've got them at number two. Three. Number two, I've got the Philadelphia Eagles. I feel like I don't really need to get into this one too much, but I'm going to go through my list on this one. You've got Jalen Hurts, MVP candidate last year. He's only getting better. Without a doubt, the best running game for a quarterback. And besides Cam Newton, I don't remember the last time I saw a quarterback do this amazing in the air and on the ground. He also had, I believe, 13 touchdowns. Or if not, he had double-digit rushing touchdowns last year as a quarterback. That's unheard of. So I'm excited to see where Jalen Hurts can bring this team. Lining up behind him, they've got the new addition in DeAndre Swift. Again, he's got some injury issues, but we're keeping injuries out of it. And I do think that putting him behind the Philadelphia Eagles O-line, no knock on Detroit, they also had a good O-line, but I think Philadelphia is the best offensive line in the league. So you put DeAndre Swift behind that. Now he's got the weapons like A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, Jalen Hurts with the run game around him that defenders can't hone in on just him. That was one of the problems I thought he had in Detroit. Don't want to knock on Jared Goff. I actually think he's a really good quarterback, but they didn't have a crazy offensive repertoire on that team. And now that DeAndre Swift's on Philadelphia, it's going to open it up a lot more for him to produce on that team. Finally, their five, Dallas Goddard. He was seventh in yards last year, but if you look at yards per catch, he was only second behind Travis Kelsey. Again, they just have too many weapons, and Jalen Hurts also is a runner that can't always pass it to Goddard. But again, second in yards per catch behind Kelsey and seventh in the yards in receiving. He's only getting better. I think he's top five tight end in the league. Now we've got the number one team, I think, with the offensive core, Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, I feel like a lot of people could probably agree with me on this one. They've just got too many weapons around. Joel Burrow is an elite quarterback, easily top five in the league. He was fifth in large yes last year. He was tied for second in touchdowns with Josh Allen. I don't really need to get into too much. He was a champion at LSU. I think he's eventually going to be a champion here in Cincinnati. Behind him, Joe Mixon. Also a Pro Bowl caliber running back. Uh, he's actually only had three fumbles in his six-year career. Now, yes, he's also been riddled with the injury bug, and he hasn't played as many games as some other running backs that have been in the league. But still, three fumbles in six years? For a guy that's a three-down running back every time he's out there, it's amazing. He's an easy 1,000-yard rusher on that team. They've also got Jamar Chase out there. One of the best in the game. I think a top three receiver. Kind of putting in his age into that top three, but I think he's a top three receiver in the league. He had 1,000 yards while missing five games last year. It's unheard of. The connection that him and Joe Burrow have from LSU is also amazing to watch. Um... Sky's the limit for Jamar Chase. In a few years, he's going to be one of, if not the best receiver, up there with Justin Jefferson. Next to him in the receiving room, T. Higgins, also a 1,000-yard receiver. Could easily be a number one on a few teams around the NFL. I think he does benefit a little bit in the fact that the best cornerback is on Jamar Chase, but I'm not knocking T. Higgins because he still performed before Jamar Chase got there, and T. Higgins is a great receiver. Finally, sticking in the receiving room, Tyler Boyd. He would easily be a starter. Might not be a number one on some teams, but he would definitely be a number two on a lot of teams in the league. He had 1,000 yards before both Higgins and Chase got to the team, which means he can do it. 
given the opportunity, given the catches, given the looks, he's going to put up yards and numbers for your team. So it's going to be very, very exciting to watch his Cincinnati offense. But yeah, there it is. My top five. Number one, Cincinnati. Number two, Philadelphia. Number three, LA Chargers. Number four, San Fran. And number five, Jacksonville. Don't hate on me, though. There were some teams that were very close to making the list. And even now I'm debating should they have been in there. But I'll go through a few of them. Cleveland Browns, they got Deshaun Watson, Amari Cooper, Nick Chubb. That big three tree right there is going to be amazing. I think Njoku can do great things. But because it's really just Watson, Cooper, and Chubb, that's why I had them out. Bills are a bit of a similar thing. They've got Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. Great players. Who knows where Stephon Diggs is going to go. But again, we're looking at today. I think Gabe Davis and Dawson Knox are really, really good role players. I don't say they have a great running back. They've got a good running back tandem, but they don't have that big number one. So because of it, it's really just Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and not enough to put them in my top five. Similar team. People are going to hate me because they just won the Super Bowl. But the Kansas City Chiefs, in my mind, they really just have Mahomes and Kelsey. The other players in that team really benefit from Mahomes and Kelsey. And if they were on different teams, would they even really be a start or a role player? I shouldn't say that. They'll definitely be role players. But would they produce the same amount of statistics as they are with Patrick Mahomes throwing them the ball? People like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Valdez Scantling, Sky Moore, Kadavius Tony. I do like Pacheco. I'll give him that. But not enough to put them in my top five. Another team that was pretty darn close, Seattle Seahawks. I don't know of many teams out there that are going to boast a better trio of running back and two wide receivers than the Seattle Seahawks. Kenneth Walker, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, all amazing players. I'm a big fan of Noah Fant. I think he's ready for a breakout year. Geno Smith had a great layer last year. Can he continue this year? I don't know. But either way, Seattle was pretty close to my contention. And another team... Not that I would put them in the top five because I don't think they've produced it today. I don't think they can produce it this season. But give them two to three seasons. They're one of my most exciting offenses to watch, the Atlanta Falcons. If Desmond Ritter can perform in a way of a bit of a dual threat but put up the passing numbers that we're looking for, in my eyes, they've got the best trio of the future. Bijan Robinson, I think, is going to really be amazing. I think he could be a top 10, if not top five, running back as a rookie. Drake London, Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts hasn't produced the level that he kind of should be doing for being drafted that high as a tight end, but I think he's going to really do it. Tyler Algier and Corderell Patterson, who can be moved all over. So the Falcons got a really young core that, if they produce where I think they can, are going to be up there. They're not there now, but I just wanted to mention them because I absolutely am going to love watching their young core progress through this season. But yeah, that's kind of what I've got there. Got some notable teams. Some of you might hate me for missing them out. But that's my top five offensive cores heading into this year. And thank you all for tuning in to the inaugural episode of Roped In. I'm your host, John Oper. And as always, Hakuna Matata. <laughs> <laughs>